0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, May 7th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi's Democratic congressman takes aim at the president and the governor on Medicaid expansion, border security, and more. Also, a new report on child poverty finds one in four Mississippi children live in struggling households. There's been some progress, but clearly not enough. That's all coming up. Congressman Benny Thompson says he supports House Democrats' efforts to oppose President Trump on border wall funding. The House is suing to block him from spending billions in federal dollars on a border wall. That's funding that was never authorized by Congress. MPB's Alexandra Watt spoke with Thompson about the lawsuit and other key issues at an event in Greenville.
1: Congress has a role uh, in this government. Uh, one of those roles is oversight. And so in order to do your job, you have to have access to information. The president has determined that he's going to resist. So at some point, this will end up in the courts. And so the framers of our Constitution uh, were very smart individuals. Uh, But they also said uh, legislative, judicial, and executive branches are co-equal. So what we have now is a dispute, and we settle our disputes uh, in court.
2: How long will it be before not only Congress gets to see the report, but the general public?
1: A lot of us believe in transparency. Uh, We believe in the fact that taxpayers' money produced the labor that went into the report. And uh, at some point, uh, Congress and the general public should have access to an unredacted copy. Uh, As to when that happens, uh, we're not certain. But I can assure you that a lot of people like myself would be advocating for the full release of an unredacted report.
2: Another issue I wanted to kind of ask you about is border security. Uh, Mississippi is not a border state. It's not in Arizona or California. But how does border security and immigration impact this state and the Delta?
1: Our state relies significantly on the migrant labor uh, our cotton gin, uh, gin the cotton, uh, our potato farmers uh, in uh, Mississippi rely on immigrant labor to help with the potatoes. Uh, the tree planting industry rely on our immigrant labor uh, to help plant the trees and a number of other occupations. So they are part of the economics of Mississippi, and those businesses can't Uh, operate successfully without access to that labor. Well, what's occurring on the border uh, uh, has the potential to adversely impact the availability uh, of that labor. Uh, The challenge more than anything else is will the people still come or are they too afraid to come? I chair the Homeland Security Committee. Uh, All the information I look at says the majority of people who come to America come seeking a better way of life. Uh, that means that, for the most part, they work hard and really send the money back home, and they keep working. Uh, now, there are bad apples, uh, but you don't judge one or two bad apples with the majority. So I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to those hardworking people who come here. But the president is changing how we address people who try to come to the border. And it's, it's the changes he's put in place has created this crisis, uh, primarily a humanitarian crisis along the border.
2: Another issue I wanted to ask you about is the Affordable Care Act. I know some people are talking about moving forward, possibly repealing that. How does that have an effect on the Mississippi Delta? I know a lot of people here getting access to health care is already an issue, but if the Affordable Care Act is repealed, especially with hospital closures and things like that, what does that mean for people here?
1: Well, it'd be absolutely devastating uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, We have a lot of individuals in the Delta who have pre-existing conditions. Uh, They might be diabetic. They might have high blood pressure. uh, They might have some other condition. Well, under the Affordable Care Act, they are still covered, and they can have access to care. President Trump has already said, He wants to get rid of pre-existing condition requirement and replace it with something else. Well, we keep saying we are against it, but you need to put how you're going to make pre-existing conditions work under your plan. We don't have the plan. In addition to that, uh, every county in the Mississippi Delta is medically underserved. That means that we don't have enough health professionals to go around. And because we don't, health care is a real challenge for us. Now, under the Affordable Care Act, though, when you have coverage, you have the ability to pay. We have hospitals that have gone bankrupt because people are getting services and can't afford to pay. Uh, But under the Affordable Care Act, everybody who comes in uh, is paying. Now, our biggest problem is that Governor Bryant has refused to take the Medicaid expansion dollars that Congress made available to every state. But every state, through their governor, has to take it. Now, we've lost over a billion dollars in federal money with no strings attached that could have gone toward helping the hospital here in Greenville, helping the hospital in Greenwood, helping the hospital in in uh, uh, Clarksdale, but our governor won't do it. Now he's talking about setting up an advisory committee or some kind of committee to look at the health challenges of, of rural Mississippi. Uh, all he got to do is get in his SUV and ride anywhere in the Delta, and you can see those challenges. You don't need to provide uh, a, 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 a committee to look at it. You've been governor for over seven years. Uh, you ought to know by now, uh, given the demographics and what's happening with health care, that we have a problem. Now, if you don't have a solution, then at a minimum, you should take the Medicaid expansion dollars and put it in those communities that need the help.
0: That was Congressman Benny Thompson speaking with MPB's Alexandra Watts. We reached out to the governor's office and Mississippi's Republican congressman. We'll provide those responses once we have them. Coming up, a representative from the Children's Defense Fund discusses a troubling new report on child poverty. That's after a Mississippi Story Corps. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Have you inherited shared property from your parents along with your siblings? Inherited from your grandparents along with your first cousins? You may have a legal situation that needs to be straightened out so you don't miss out. Our next In Legal Terms will have guest attorney Vangela Wade to talk about heirs' property at 10 a.m. today. You can email the show, legalterms, at mpbonline.org, or call during the live show. Listen on MPB Think Radio or on the internet at mpbonline.org.
4: Palette to Palette is back with chef Robert St. John and artist Wyatt Waters.
1: Join us this week on Palette to Palette. We spend the entire episode in the Walter Anderson Museum.
2: And I get to paint in the beautiful community center with all those great murals.
1: And we have a special guest you're never going to believe who drops by. Join us this week on Palette to Palette, right? See you there. That's Palette to Palette.
3: Thursday at 7:30 on MPB Television. The relationship
4: between Amelia Brunson and Terry Hunt began as student and teacher, respectively. As a confused student who had trouble fitting in, Amelia found the confidence she had been looking for in Hunt's friendly but firm style of teaching. Now friends, the pair shared their story as part of the StoryCorps mobile tour in Jackson. Essentially, this is a story about how You were the bridge for me between the person I used to be and who I'm currently becoming as a person. You know, you came into my life at a very critical time where I wasn't very self confident. I had a lot of questions and you helped me answer a lot of them. But I didn't
5: know you that well till we went to San Antonio on a class trip. That's when I found out you liked giraffes.
4: (laughs) The San Antonio trip is where I like, first felt a real sense of belonging, like, with the people that I was around, be it my friends, you, people that I had never met. That was the first
5: time I took students out of Mississippi to begin <laughs> with, and that was funny, because uh, I don't like that kind of responsibility, but, and, and it was my first time to be in a lo- for a long time with the group of students, and to hear their stories. Let me ask you this. I mean, you say that coming in the classroom and being in that was really gave you a sense of yourself. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit previous to that,
4: what it was like. I went to Madison Ridgeland Academy, and my mom had decided to move us to this school because uh, my brother wasn't necessarily getting along with the people in his grade. A friend of the family had recently moved her children there, so my mom, she really just wanted us to have the best education possible I personally really enjoyed going to Northwest again in elementary school. I didn't see a reason for me to go to this school. Of course, as a second grader, I didn't have much say in that. So I went to an MRA for eight years. Overall, the pain definitely outweighed the pleasures of that experience. Why? Um, people were just very cruel. They would make fun of me. They would call me fat, tell me I need to wear more makeup, tell me I'm wearing too much makeup when I finally decided to put it on. One of the worst times, though, this girl, she passed around a sheet of paper in class. She wrote at the top, who don't you want to see in a bikini at the pool party this weekend? She passed it around to everybody and made sure to pass it right next to me so that I could see that every single person had written down my name. And that was, that happened in eighth grade. And that that was the year I decided that I didn't have to be around these people anymore. I, I went to school with forty white wealthy kids. Then all of a sudden, I'm around everybody. I I had lived a sheltered life, you know, being raised to be a certain way, to have certain opinions of certain mm. people, all dictated by my mother. Essentially, she's still a wonderful woman. She got strong opinions, though. Really, the pivotal point in eighth grade, decided not to go to MRA anymore. And I started having a more open mind about what was going on around me. I decided that I could take the plunge and that, I mean, eventually I'll be living in the wide world. Why not mm-hmm. go ahead and get the culture shock over with? And ultimately, I think it's one of the best decisions i made in my life thus far was to go back to public schooling.
5: I loved it the other day when you said that. Um, <laughs> tell me that when you, when you three cried. Over my disappointment in your...
4: Oh, yeah. We were. We just felt so genuinely bad for having disappointed you. No other teacher in the entire history of the world, I think, has a power to do that to people. <laughs> it was our final project for the year. I think this. it must have been my junior year of high school. But it yeah. had to have these elements. See, I didn't even remember because I didn't do economic- it. Social, <laughs> economic... There you go. I'm still telling you.
5: You should have done it. Social, economic stratification, stratification yeah. geographic significance, mm-hmm. cultural awareness or pluralism, policies. Get, I don't
4: think I ever got
5: yours, did I? No,
4: you never got okay, mine. I'm just noting that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> do you remember going to Ground Zero? Do you remember I do. Daddy Rich?
4: I do remember Daddy Rich. What did you think of the Catfish? The Catfish Festival? That definitely started my love for the blues. Just remember sitting out in front of that stage for hours just listening to music that meant a lot to me that trip
5: they had people who did trips at our school and they would take them to europe they'd take them around all of but there's a piece that i saw with these kids is that they they didn't know their own backyard they didn't know mississippi and it's always it's always the bus ride home
1: mm-hmm. you
5: know planning it's great and all that but my favorite part is listening to you on the bus ride home. To hear what you took in and who you are and how you've grown. And uh, the bus ride home from the Delta was huge.
4: What did you hear on that trip that you liked?
5: I heard the breakdown of some of the barriers because we had a mixed group, African Americans, whites. And then to look at it through these different lenses of, of what our history what our family's history and who we are and who we're going to be. So that's what I'd hear.
4: You can't change the world, but you could be a a wave that sends out ripples for miles. And that's exactly what you've done. You've instilled such a sense of hope in me. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps Mobile Tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
0: I'm Robin Young. Does anything say spring more than fresh rhubarb? Yes, but what do you do with it? Here now, resident chef Kathy Gunst has recipes that tame rhubarb's tartness. The thing about rhubarb is that because it's so sour, most people add too much sugar. Mm-hmm. So when you eat rhubarb, all you taste is the sugar. Next time, here and now. Today at noon on MVB Think Radio.
3: Have you inherited shared property from your parents along with your siblings? Inherited from your grandparents along with your first cousins? You may have a legal situation that needs to be straightened out so you don't miss out. Our next In Legal Terms will have guest attorney Vangela Way to talk about heirs' property at 10 a.m. today. You can email the show, legalterms at mpbonline.org, or call during the live show. Listen on MPB Think Radio or on the internet at mpbonline.org.
0: The Children's Defense Fund has a new report on child poverty, and it offers a mixed blessing for Mississippi. CDF says the number of children living in poverty here fell by more than 9% in 2017, but that still leaves 189,000 Mississippi children living in struggling households. We spoke with Olita Garrett-Fitzgerald, Southern Regional Director for the Children's Defense Fund, about the report's findings for our state.
6: Mississippi has, uh, has decreased... Uh, in the last year, its child poverty rate, but it still it remains number three in the nation in terms of the percent of children who still live in poverty in the state. And what the research has and the report outlines is that we can make improvements to reduce our child poverty rates even uh, even more uh, by engaging a series of policy improvements that have been proven to to lift uh, children out of poverty.
0: And what do you attribute the 10% drop to?
6: Some of it uh, is obviously a growing economy, and some of it is uh, the participation in the programs that are identified here in this report.
0: You mentioned particular areas of Mississippi where child poverty is especially high. What are those areas, and why do they continue to struggle?
6: Many of the counties that, uh, that I identify uh, that have poverty, child poverty rates ranging over 50% to nearly 70%. Many of those counties, as you would uh, think, are in uh, the Mississippi Delta region, if you consider the region from Natchez up to, uh, up to Tunica. Primarily, those counties also lack access to jobs that pay uh, higher income wages. Though we have had increases in people being attached to the workforce, as has happened across the country, the wage levels of those people have not necessarily lifted them out of poverty. they don 't make enough money to be able to take care of all of their basic needs. These are also areas of the state that have seen the least growth and and uh and job opportunities
0: These are also very rural parts of the state
6: These are also very rural parts of the states which uh, which is almost synonymous to not seeing uh job opportunity and have not had the kind of, of attention that the state economic development uh, agencies have placed on other areas. Companies come where schools are good, uh, where there, is, uh, there are other kinds of quality and well-being, uh, including access to health care and all of that. Now, for, if you overlay these, these counties, for the most part, Where you have high rates of poverty, you also have uh, low rates of property value uh, so that school systems in these parts of the state also struggle. The bootstraps there are very limited. So we have to do and look at these policies that that are recommended in the report, but we also have to do a better job at educating our children so they can escape impoverished conditions, and the whole state will lift.
0: Let me ask you, Mississippi gets $90 million a year in TAMF uh, welfare funds. That's temporary right. assistance or of needy families. What's going on? Is that money going to the right people? Is it helping? That's a lot of money.
6: It's an absolute lot of money. And uh, the Department of Human Services has, has contracted with a number of organizations, uh, but the question of whether or not... For the most part, the organizations that are currently receiving the TANF resources are connecting with the majority of the people who would have otherwise been eligible for TANF uh, is a big question and needs to be investigated. Uh, Recently, there were press reports, and we had known uh, before it came out in the news, that, for instance, TANF dollars, Uh, are going into scholarship funds that benefit families up to 400% of the poverty level. That's like $90,000. And that, you know, we're still trying to identify because the information is not readily readily available, uh, who is receiving those scholarships and what schools are, are benefiting from those scholarships. Now, we understand that in this state, uh, less than forty eight hundred or maybe even thirty eight hundred families are on that receive direct welfare benefits. It means nobody out of three million people in this state, hardly anybody is receiving welfare. And that's a great misnomer because if you listen to the politicians, everybody is is, you know, at the welfare trough. These families are not getting the kinds of work supports and workforce training that they need to be able to attach to uh, to a job where they are or the transportation to get them from where they are to jobs or the child care to get them uh, so that they are able to go to work and stay there.
0: The Children's Defense Fund, along with repealing the 2017 tax bill, wants the minimum wage raised from 7.25 to $15 an hour. By 2024, yes. By 2024. How realistic is that? We live in a climate where... That's not very realistic.
6: Well, Karen, uh, there are uh, you know there are proposals that are moving in in Congress. The climate eventually will change, uh, and the movement toward uh, increasing the minimum wage is having an impact. And there are there are different companies. There are people and and socially responsible corporations like Walmart and McDonald's and places where people are beginning to understand the need to increase the minimum wage. Uh, So we have to keep pushing for these policies, and we have to keep pushing for for, uh, the kinds of jobs that will sustain a minimum wage um, uh, economy. For both the people working and the people who own the businesses.
0: Olita Garrett Fitzgerald is the Southern Regional Director for the Children's Defense Fund. Olita, thank you so much for being with us.
6: Thank you, Karen, for having us.
0: Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Relatively Speaking from Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. Or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
1: Palette to Palette is back
4: with chef Robert St. John and artist Wyatt Waters.
1: Join us this week on Palette to Palette. We spend the entire episode in the Walter Anderson Museum. And I get to paint
2: in the beautiful community center with all those great murals.
1: And we have a special guest you're never going to believe who drops by. Join us this week on Palette to Palette, right?
0: See you there. That's Palette to Palette.
3: Thursday at 7:30 on MPB Television.